Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yo, what is good? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, April 25th, 2022. I'm your host, Janet Garcia, and joining me is Tim motherfucking Gettys. What's up, Janet? How you doing? How was your weekend? It was pretty good. Uh, It was my brother's birthday on Friday. So uh, we did the birthday tradition, especially in the pandemic, where we still haven't done a lot of like going out and doing a lot of things for birthdays um, since that's ongoing until the end of time uh we just kind of stayed and he worked that day too it was friday um so we just he when he got back like we had some wings that my boyfriend made um watched some movies which was uh dope because the movies that we watched were movies that i already had wanted to watch so i was like Good. okay I'm check shit off the today. list i'm being productive <laughs> yeah, and partying. we watched um ford versus ferrari and like that movie was so good that's like one mm-hmm. of the best movies i've seen in a hot minute so like watch that if you haven't but uh yeah what about you uh, I also saw a movie. I, I went to theaters to see The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, Ooh, which like uh, for those that don't know, uh, it's Nicolas Cage acting as Nicolas Cage. And he's put in a situation where he needs to use his knowledge of acting from the other movies he's been in to overcome problems. And it is utterly fantastic. I recommend it to anybody, Nicolas Cage fan, enthusiast or not, I should say, because I am not the biggest fan at all. And, and I, I say that in that, I just haven't seen many of the classic movies. Like people would be surprised. I have not seen Gone in 60 Seconds. Like I have not seen a lot of the the, the classics. I've not even off. seen that. I haven't seen Face Off. I haven't seen Face National is, Treasure. Like I was going just kind of knowing him as a meme. You know what I mean? And this movie is so much more than that. And I feel like it it delivered so much for me. I can't even imagine how much it would deliver to what do they call them out there? The KGs? Oh, gosh, I hope not. (laughs) I don't know. Whatever they are. The cagers, you know. Yes. Like, you guys need the imprisoned. Uh, Y'all need to 100% watch this damn movie because it is is fucking awesome. And Pedro Pascal. Oh, yes. Caged and enraged. Um, Here's a question for you before we actually, Mm -hmm. like, get into the show about that movie. Is it, like, like, dumb fun good? Like, what's the energy that I should expect? Because, like, Nicolas Cage, he is a meme, but, like, his repertoire is also, like, really vast in a way. So, like, what yeah. is it going to be, like, a goofy fun time? Like, what's the vibe here? It's it's more than that. But it's not, like, an art film. You okay. know what I mean? But it's definitely not, like, a comedy. But it's very funny. Like, it's it's I would say that it is, like, it's legitimately a great movie. And okay. I, it's not tied to knowing Nicolas Cage. Like, they set him up... Even if you knew nothing about him and he was just a character in the movie, they did a really good job. They tell a really good story and it's it's a lot of fun and it's it's way more heartfelt than you'd expect. Okay. Yeah, I'm down for that because I watched, um, you know, I guess I've been on a movie kick because I watched, uh, what, Free Guy finally? And I was like, oh, this is actually really good. So I feel like I'm in the era of movies that I think won't be that good end up being like pretty damn good so i'm just gonna trust you on that one and, and I mean, yeah, it, it, i'm happy you like free guy because i feel like everyone wants to hate on free guy and like i it's get really it there good. is there is a lot to hate on no but like, like no, are it's you a kidding movie 
It was, uh, yeah, like I was, I was into it. I don't, I'm like, literally can't name one gripe, can't name one flaw, don't <laughs> at me. <laughs> but let's get into today's you, stories, Jared. which include uh, PlayStation's push on PC, Raven Software's QA Testers Union Election, the NPD, and more, because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily, where each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames, we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later. Um, on youtube.com slash kind of funny games roosterteeth.com or listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and all epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be part of the show head to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free along with the exclusive daily post show some housekeeping for you uh kind of funny uh kfw april anarchy pops off today this is the kind of funny wrestling pay-per-view that it's totally free because <laughs> I'm yes exactly on Twitch right here after KFGD. Uh, see Alana defend her title against Joey and Elise. Johnny Ace take on the Milk Mommy for the Kind of Funny Championship and more. If you miss it live, it'll be up later on YouTube.com/slash Kind of Funny Games tomorrow. I'll tell you one thing. You know that was one of those reads where I started. I didn't know where it was going to go. It went in like a few different directions along the way. But I'm here for the energy. Nailed it. Uh, a big a big thank you to our Patreon producers Fargo Brady. Franksy and Anonymous. Today we're brought to you by Brother Printers, Lumen Skin, and Razor, but we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin. What is and forever will be the Roper Report? It's time for some news. We got four stores today. A baker's dozen. Starting with Sony is hiring a senior director for PC planning and strategy. This comes from Jody McGregor over at PC Gamer. The article reads, Sony formed a PlayStation PC publishing label in 2021 and has brought plenty of formerly PlayStation exclusive games to PC with Death Stranding, Horizon Zero Dawn and God of War among them. Uncharted Legacy of Thieves collection is due later this year. This ongoing experiment has clearly done well for the company and the latest sign of that is a job listing for senior director of PC planning and a strategy of PlayStation Global. If you were afraid Sony's fling with PC gaming might prove brief, this listing is more evidence of it continuing long term. Whoever gets the role will, quote, be responsible for the strategy and commercial activity within global channel sales and will deliver a single optimized PC sales growth and commercial plan to hub and territory teams to implement. I expect that plan will need to be something a little more involved than put Bloodborne on PC already. Bringing already popular games to PC is a strategy that's worked for Sony so far. God of War was Sony's biggest PC launch, but Horizon Zero Dawn also sold well and Days Gone respectively. There are plenty of other big budget action games on the console still waiting to be poured over. Honestly, Bloodborne can wait if it means getting Spider-Man into the hands of modders any sooner, but presumably Sony's plans will go further than that. Simultaneous releases of future games will be an obvious next step once the backlog of prestige exclusives has been worked through. The question is, would brand new games be released on Steam, Epic, or potentially a PlayStation launcher? A kind of PSN for PC, perhaps cross-save, share trophies. Given that Bethesda just announced the shutdown date of its launcher, maybe Sony's new senior director of PC planning and strategy will read the writing on the wall there. Tim, react. 
there's a lot here. I, I think that at the end of the day, this is only a good thing. We've already seen some great ports of iconic PlayStation titles, specifically from the PS4 era. And as we move into this PS4 cross PS5 uh, moment that we're in, and we're seeing this kind of continue, this builds towards potential day and date on PC and PlayStation could be really exciting. I don't know that that's where they're actually going to head, but I do think that they are trying to test the waters for it all. Um, it, it's funny with the, the slant of this article, uh, poking fun at the whole Bloodborne thing. I think Bloodborne on PC is going to be a, a a very a much bigger deal to that group of people than um this article article is kind of leading us to to believe it. I know they're just having jokes there, but uh I do think that it is that multi-pronged strategy of that hardcore people that want to just mod the hell out of it for one reason or another of like the Bloodborne community, but then the same thing for something like Spider-Man, which I'm sure has a lot more legal loopholes to or legal hold you get what I'm saying. Legal hoops to jump hoops, through. Hoops to jump through. You know, That's what some, I was there's going hoops, for. There's hoops. There's yeah, like loopholes. In, in yes. opening doors, doorways yeah. of some port portals, you know, what, whatever of, it could be. Ton of stuff getting in the way there. But uh, I imagine that that is obviously uh, something that they want to do. And when you look at the games that they have released on PC so far, it does kind of tell a story, right? And especially now as we're getting the uh, the, the thing here, in case we missed it, um, uh, the Uncharted games coming out. Uh, we have the the date for the Thieves Collection, uh, which is coming in June to, to PC. It's kind of like they're getting a lot of the, the bigger classics um, on the, the PC. I'm most interested in the second half of this article here, kind of talking about the launcher. Will PlayStation have its own dedicated PC launcher or... Is, are they going to continue to partner with Epic or Steam here and there or wherever it is and just get the game in as many places as possible? I think there's pros and cons to both sides to it. I think that the obvious pro uh, to the PlayStation launcher would be trophy support and getting the entire ecosystem tied together in a way that uh, Microsoft has already done because of just the way that they've built out their entire ecosystem from the get-go. Um, but there's obviously a lot of people out there that care about trophies and care about their, their PSN profile and all that stuff. But I wonder um, if it's worth uh, alienating the potential of like the exclusivity of Epic or Steam or whatever it is on the platforms, um, or if they're just going to kind of do it a little bit everywhere. Yeah, I think the trophies thing would be huge to be able to have that, um, as well as like, you know, the cross save element. That's definitely something that, as you mentioned, like Xbox has spearheaded and it, they kind of like were built for success in that regard by design because it's ultimately like a computer company. So it makes sense that they have such like a down packed PC integration. Um, I don't I don't really see them making their own launcher. I think it does, you know, as this article kind of points out with like struggles from other companies that try to make their own launcher, I, it might be more work than it's worth and i think generally too until the tides start to turn which who knows if this will ever even happen like i feel like playstation still has its core identity of pl you play playstation things on playstation platforms and even like having the port element i think that's kind of a hey we have this on pc to help bring you over to playstation like you want trophies it's over on playstation you want to feel immersed in the co like hey we have a place for you to do that here and that is our consoles and i feel like that's still ultimately the bread and butter and even this is a way to create that funnel right that's why i i don't see us seeing day and date um i think the day that we start seeing like big deal day and date stuff either on pc or even just um you know we're, there's a lot of talk about like playstation's 
revamped PS Plus system and like the day and day potential there. Like, I think we're still pretty far away from that. And if we see that kind of stuff anywhere, it would be more on like a PlayStation centric service than I think on PC, Um, especially because I think with the PC stuff, we're seeing again, the big hit stuff is there, the things that, but it's also late. So it's stuff that will funnel people to PlayStation ultimately, where it's like, hey, I finally played God of War. I don't want to miss out on, you know, this. It's funny to say sequel because it's like such a long running franchise, but the next installment of God of War. Um, while on, like, as far as the day and day conversation with PS Plus, it's a lot more of, hey, maybe we won't see, you know, the new God of War day and date, but we might see like this indie game that would have came to like PS Plus now being rolled in here or that being day and date. So I still think we're sort of far away from that. Um, but what, how do you feel overall with like PlayStation's rollout on PC? Are you, you know happy with that do you like are you have like an any investment in it like are you looking to replay or play those games on pc for the first time oh yeah no i think i think it's absolutely incredible and like they're so far it hasn't been entirely flawless but i think that they have done a pretty good job and they put out updates that fix all of the issues over time uh, but i think that all of this type of direction and hiring people uh like a director to oversee it all i think can kind of help iron and smooth it all out over time but like things like the the widescreen support like completely change the way these games can play and look. And it's really damn cool, uh, especially when we're talking about some of the most iconic games of all time. And giving us an excuse to go back and play games that we love with like a, a new added thing going for it that is kind of unique to PCs, I think is fantastic. Um, the day and date conversation, I think, is is different because the PS Plus will come day and date to that. Like I think that is a totally siloed thing. Like specifically, I'm talking about day and date on pc and i think the moment that they realize that they're just going to make more money from that not less money um it's going to start happening and i think playstation is building out its i mean ecosystem might not even be the right word but it's building out its ip right now in a way that they never have before with the movies and playstation studios and playstation productions we have last of us coming to hbo like they're kind of building a case to be bigger than just a console and i think that the moment that that kind of tips over it's going to hit a certain snowball effect where um they they might start looking at pc more as not just a thing that funnels people back to a console but as hey here's a way for us to add uh more numbers to our already astronomical sales numbers. I'm sure we're going to talk about some later today with MPD stuff. But um, like once they realize that they can kind of have that number, especially as we move into this era of, look, call it whatever you want to. It's still going to be a competition between Microsoft and PlayStation. And like it doesn't mean it needs to be a war, but there is that level of headlines that they are battling for. And if we're going to keep putting out headlines of, oh, first weekend player base of every game pass game ever is astronomical sony's gonna want anything they can do to like be able to pump up their numbers especially when at the end of the day those numbers are more valuable when they are it full-priced retail titles being sold to people so if they can sell that on playstation and on pc that's a win-win for sony and it's a win-win for gamers out there yeah i'll be very interested to see like what ends up shaking out from this role and like obviously i'm sure there'll be like interviews and things with like the people that end up spearheading these kind of campaigns because i'm curious to know like what exactly does like there's been some conversation up front of like how they envision pc sort of being in conversation with the ps5 and a lot of it is oh putting on these legacy titles and like giving you know games a second life and you know also like acquiring more customers but i'm curious as to like the people that are like kind of going for these roles, what is their ideal vision of it? You know, if it is just optimizing PC sales growth, like I think it's interesting that conversation of day and date for PC and console where ultimately, yeah, you're right. Like I'd imagine they make more money having it on more places because that's how that kind of works. But 
I guess it's that conversation of how are we optimizing like PC sales growth as it's maybe its own thing versus like having the console part uh, to what degree do we want those things together? Like what element of it is just the bottom line versus like where they want to move forward as a company. And yeah, I think things are as they are until they aren't, which sounds like the most obvious statement in the world. But you're right, though. I totally like, get what has, you're saying. Yeah, their energy and their vibe. And that can kind of change in any time because like companies evolve, you know, like you, I don't think it's totally well, actually, I think it is my point that Game Pass exists, but, you know, it's no one really could have predicted the way that Xbox's identity has shifted. I think even just a few years ago where sure, there are still the jokes of like Xbox doesn't have any games, like easy to put our exclusives on Game Pass when there's like three of them. But like, ultimately, that's not what I feel like the identity and ultimate conversation around Xbox is. To me, that conversation has shifted to Game Pass and wanting to play stuff because it's on Game Pass and wanting to be on Xbox because it has Game Pass and that conversation of Xbox being so much bigger than just that one platform and sort of just being a, a space to play in general. Um, so it'll be interesting to see like how does to what degree does PlayStation's identity evolve and is it going toward this kind of bigger, more brand direction? I like what you bring up about the, you know, the shows and things, too. Like I was just talking yesterday in my apartment because my brother went to Universal Studios like that was one of his gifts for his birthday. He got like a little pass to it. And he's like, man, when, and we talked about the Mario stuff that's there because I'm out in L.A. and they have um, the store already. They're still building the like area, but they already have like one of the stores. And he's like, man, I would love like a Sony park. Like, can you, you know, with the, not just the IP, but also like the other media elements. And I'm like, oh, my God, that'd be so cool because like, I went to like um, a PlayStation park inside of Dreams. That was like a fan made one with like Spyro and stuff. And I'm like, man, that would be like such an, an awesome thing to see. And I think we are kind of moving towards that bigger brand identity uh, and ecosystem for the company. Uh, Janet, uh, a, a fun fun story for you. Back in the day uh, in San Francisco at the Metreon, at the mall, it was the Sony Metreon. And in the yeah. early 2000s, like they they owned the entire mall. And it was essentially a mini Sony theme park, uh, like where they had the PlayStation store. And this predates the Nintendo store in New York or any of that stuff. Um, and like it was crazy. Like that was like where they launched the PS2, and it was a whole big deal. You can go there, and there was demo kiosks for all the games. But they would have people dressed up like in character, like Parappa the Rapper would be walking around, and like it was just crazy how it really was kind of this like really early version of uh what a PlayStation theme park could be, and it was a blast. Like it was there was nothing cooler, Barrett, right, than going down to the PlayStation yeah, store was, just hanging before out. Before I even moved to San Francisco, we 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 have family out here, so we had a vacation here. So I got to see it like once and like walk through it and stuff. Uh, and then there was like the virtual bowling at the top floor, I think, like yeah. way back then. Yeah, that was that was a cool place that uh, I, I wish was still around. Totally, totally. Anyways. I all i want to do is take a picture with like a giant mascot character i really don't have many of those like you know I, I even went to like i went to the nintendo offices uh like two years ago or something and i'm like is mario here like can i take a picture with mario like you know where's mario is what where's I, he literally, at? no literally like because my friend gave me the tour and i'm like so you know where's where's mario at you know we're in the cafeteria i'm looking around I'm, i see a lot of people i don't see mario he's like yeah. i mean he really He's like, I'm he's sorry, like, Janet. Really only... Your Mario's in another headquarters. Yeah, he's he's, ah. he's like he really only comes out for like for you, like like children that are like you know visiting for like really specific reasons. And I'm like, all right, well, maybe next time. Um, <laughs> let's move on to uh, 21 Raven Software QA employees will now be allowed to have a union election. This comes from Ash Parrish and Jay Peters over at The Verge. The article reads. 21 Raven Software QA employees have until May 20th to submit their ballots in a historic 
video game industry union vote. Today, the National Labor Relations Board, NLRB, decreed that voting for the union would commence and that the voting unit would be composed of those 21 employees against Activision Blizzard's argument that the voting unit should be open to all Rave employees. In a statement to The Verge, Activision Blizzard spokesperson Rich George said, while we respect the NLRB process, we are disappointed that a decision could that could significantly impact the future of our entire studio will be of our employees. We believe a direct relationship with team members is the best path to achieving individual and company goals. We are reviewing legal options regarding a potential appeal. This is a watershed moment for these QA employees who started the journey toward unionizing back in December 2021. After a round of layoffs hit the Activision Blizzard subsidiary studio, workers staged a walkout that became a sustained strike lasting five weeks. At the end of the strike, workers formally organized the Game Workers Alliance, the first union in one of North America's the biggest game companies. Since then, Activision Blizzard has worked to undermine these unionized unionization efforts. It dispersed Raven QA employees across separate teams and argued that the voting unit for the pending union election should be open to all Raven employees, thereby reducing the chance for its success. It also converted over 1,000 contract and temporary QA employees to full-time and gave significant raises in pay, raises that were not extended to the QA employees. We are so proud to announce that the NLRB ruled that our unit is eligible for election, the Game Workers Alliance said in a tweet. Thank you to everyone supporting our campaign since our initial strike up until this very moment. Time for democracy. Once ballots are submitted by the deadline, the NLRB will tally the votes. A supermajority of the voting unit must vote in favor of the union for it to be officially recognized and bargaining can begin. We are pleased that after reviewing the evidence, the National Labor Relations Board rejected Raven Software Management's attempt to undermine our efforts to form a union, member of the Game Workers Alliance said in a statement Friday evening, it's now time for Raven management to stop trying to prevent us from exercising our rights. We are looking forward to voting and winning for our union. Tim, what's your take on this? This is the the era, right? This is the movement that's going to continue to happen. And and I, you know, especially when we're talking about Activision now, I feel like with all the, the different teams, like we're going to start seeing a lot more of this and it's slowly just going to start to crystallize upward, you know? Uh, but I think these are positive. It's positive momentum going on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely the fear, I think, already of the appeal because they've already mentioned that they're like, well, if you know, we don't agree with this and if it comes down to it, we're going to try to appeal it. Um, So I definitely think that this win may not be the end all be all for even like this exact um, element of trying to get the union recognized. Um, But it's a great step and also just really impressive. um, I think given like the size of Raven Software QA, um, these employees going up and going to cast their votes. um, And I, you know, I imagine it's going to pass like it's they only need majority. So they only need what, like 12, something like that, like 12 members to vote. Yes. So Um, We'll see what happens after this. I mean, I do think it's important to always note that a union is not a magic wand. Um, It is a way to have a collective voice. So while like I think we'll definitely see plenty of examples of I think their still being rights issues or things that they're fighting for. Like, again, a union's not just the thing that will fix everything. It's just about getting a way to organize and cast votes and have a system at play that is more than just hey, like, let's all try to figure this out. Um, You know, it adds structure because otherwise what you end up having is this kind of additional challenges, I think, to having hard conversations. Like a union helps facilitate that because there are people that spearhead things. There are ways to vote. There are ways to be involved. You can, you know, often once it's established, when you like get added to a team, you choose whether or not, you know, you pay your dues to be added in there. Um, So, yeah, you know, this is not 
the end, I think, of the struggles of QA, especially because QA, I think we know, is like a well-documented, I think, pain point within the industry in terms of getting, you know, proper hours, proper pay. Like, it is one of, I think, the most exploited elements of development, at least from, like, the reports that I think we've seen and heard over the years of what it's like to be a QA tester um, anywhere or to any degree. Um, but yeah, and I think that's also what makes it so much cooler too. I think QA being such a, um, I think overlooked and also often blamed sector of the industry, kind of like a, a little bit of a punching bag for them to be able to get this kind of push and have this kind of voice is, you know, absolutely huge. And I'm excited to keep following that story and see how it goes. And yes, hopefully it is a kind of i wouldn't say beginning point because i think we've seen a lot of these efforts already um and it was interesting like them writing the oh one of the first like north american like from the big side of things i remember there being a story at the end of last year about a indie studio unionizing and i can't remember the people that make uh, something breakers beast breaker mm, i don't know if i have that right someone you know kind of funny.com slash you're wrong for in the name of that studio. Um, but seeing that as an example of something and, and how people were like talking about, oh my God, is that really the first year? No one else has done it. And it's like, yeah, a lot of this stuff has just not been done yet. Like it's not been normalized. And I think in a lot of industries, you know, it's not something that is commonplace, but um, I'd love to see this, you know, happen everywhere across the board. And again, I don't think that would make making games no longer a grueling and, and many times exploitative practice, but it will at least allow for systems to be in place to protect workers and also give workers a voice. So that's my union rant as someone that also has been in the union before. Shout out to Chicago's Teachers Union. I have been in that union and it was, you know, a big deal. There you go. Um, all right, moving on. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, more stuff with Activision. Let's talk financial results. Uh, let's go over to Brendan Sinclair at GameIndustry.biz, uh, who writes, Activision Blizzard today reported its financial results for the first quarter of the year, showing precipitous drops at its Activision and Blizzard divisions. Company-wide revenues were down 22% year-over-year to uh, $1.77 billion, while net booking slid 29% to $1.48 billion. Net income for the period was down 36% to $395 million. The Activision business segment saw the greatest decline, with revenues sliding 49% to $453 million. The Call of Duty franchise saw declining bookings on console and PC thanks to underperformance of Call of Duty Vanguard and declining, declining engagement in Call of Duty Warzone. The publisher did say Call of Duty mobile bookings were mostly unchanged compared to the previous year's first quarter. Activision saw 100, monthly, 100 million monthly active users for the quarter, down 33% year over year, and the lowest since the 2019 launch of Call of Duty Mobile added a major free-to-play offering to the franchise for the first time. Blizzard revenues were down 43 percent to 274 million for the first quarter with the drop blamed on quote product cycle timing for the warcraft franchise as for what could boost the numbers in the near future the company said it will reveal details about warcraft's first mobile product within weeks while the free-to-play mobile diablo immortal is set for an international launch june 2nd complete with a pc version with crossplay launching in open beta that day like activision Blizzard's engagement numbers were similarly lagging, down 19% year-over-year to 22 million, the lowest total since Activision Blizzard began reporting specific monthly active users uh, totals by division back in the second quarter of 2016. Tim, is this cause for concern, or do you think this is an example of things getting worse before they get better? 
Um, I, I think there's a lot going on. I think that there, we would need to look at kind of year over year over year over year over year results to really kind of see like how worrying this all is because these are ridiculous drops and they, they use uh, precipitous, which I'm always a big fan of uh, in terms of revenue coming in and all of that. But like we're still talking about absolutely astronomical, ridiculous numbers that very few, if anyone in the industry is even getting close to. So with that, it's it's kind of the thing of like, cool, it is it is bad news for sure because it's for activision because it's not up 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 but there was a, a lot of stories going on in the, the last week about like we need to look at success not as this like thing that if we're not always more successful than we used to be we're not successful anymore right it's like the, the just because you didn't do as good as you did your best year it's like okay but are you still doing good enough that's the right. question to me is is this good enough to activision and i'm not sure that they're going to be happy with it they're also in a very tumultuous period right now with a lot of potential change-ups happening. And whether or not the Microsoft stuff actually goes through, we are looking at uh, an Activision that is being called out from every single angle, and that's not going to stop anytime soon. So what's that going to do to the shareholders? Like, What what expectations are, are they going to have? And what does this news, even if it's not bad news, potentially, it's not the, if it's not the worst news of it going uh, – these numbers – what what does that paired with all of the headlines do to the shareholders, do to the people that actually are kind of in control of all of this? That is what I'm I'm most interested in. Yeah, I think it definitely does, even if it's not like I like I like what you brought up with the like it not being your best year doesn't mean that it is like a failure of a year. And I do think we often like look at if you're not increasing, like that is a you know, inherently a negative story for something to be performing worse, even if it's not that big of a deal or if it's you know kind of a known kind of growing pain of i think switching up how you roll out a franchise or just like kind of shifting directions on certain elements or trying new things that may or may not be successful um but yeah i mean i think it does speak to part of the darkness surrounding activision blizzard not just in the i think moral and business elements but also in like how the performance is going um and yeah it's it's definitely like a dark time i think this will be something that we end up looking back to for, you know, the inevitable like, oh, things are up better than they've been in whatever many years. So, like, I think these things come in waves. And, yeah, I think especially once we get down to, like, the NPD and stuff, too, it is insane thinking about, like, like, I don't, you know, spoilers for, like, 10 minutes from now, but thinking about, like, how massively successful some games are and then how Call of Duty is still more successful than that, despite being like one of the like weaker iterations yes. of it. Like there are definitely levels to this um, and Activision Blizzard. It's interesting because I don't want to say they're like too big to fail because I don't think that's true for anybody. Um, and obviously, like when there were talks around the you know sale of Activision Blizzard, one of the things came up were like not being able to get maybe a certain number that they would have wanted to get for the company. Um, and you know what that speaks to both in terms of the public reception of it and maybe even in terms of like the product to a degree. Uh, but yeah, like ultimately Activision Blizzard's worst years are better than many companies could ever possibly conceive of or imagine. So I think it's going to take a lot for this to be cause for concern on a bigger scale. Um, and I imagine that in the next I don't know. Number of years, things will be on the upswing. It'll be interesting, specifically like with Call of Duty and like what they're going to do with that. Um, whether or not that you know the next iteration will be um, like super successful or like more critically acclaimed. I do think around like Vanguard, even this data aside, like anecdotally, there wasn't much conversation around it, and I think a lot of that was 
because of like the general reception of Activision Blizzard and kind of just like, okay, well, I mean, I can, I can miss this and not miss out on much, but I think in the coming years, uh, we'll see that sort of shift over. Um, but for now, remember, you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsors. Hey, computer people announced at CES and available now the latest generation of Razer Blades feature all new NVIDIA GeForce RTX 30 series GPUs and up to an RTX 3080 Ti featuring a suite of cutting edge features to improve gameplay, including NVIDIA Reflex. NVIDIA Reflex delivers the ultimate competitive advantage, the lowest latency, the best responsiveness. Get the competitive edge you need at sub 25 milliseconds. And I asked the one, the only, the Nitro Rifle. Andy Cortez is that good? And he said, ooh wee, sub 25 milliseconds is great. And I said, that's fantastic. Acquire targets faster, react quicker, and Increase aim precision in the most competitive games such as Apex Legends, Fortnite, Call of Duty, and more. Learn more about the Razer Blades powered by NVIDIA GPUs with NVIDIA Reflex technology at Razer.com. When I needed a printer, I turned to Twitter and so many of you told me Brother was the way to go. For more than a year now, Jen and I have been using our Brother printer for immigration paperwork, baby paperwork, and a million other things. It's been great, but you know what printers need? Ink. And while it used to be a hassle to get ink, Brother's Refresh Easy print subscription has made it easy. The Brother Refresh Easy print subscription service is a printing plan that is based on the number of pages you print. You choose a monthly plan based on your print volume needs, color, black and white, and all print for one monthly cost. And instead of having to remember to buy replacement ink cartridges, your printer does the work for you through an intelligent ink and toner level monitoring feature that tracks the remaining amount of ink or toner and orders it before you run out. The Brother Refresh Easy print subscription service is a convenient, worry-free way to print. Each plan is flexible and you can change or cancel your subscription at any time. So what are you waiting for? Stop running out of ink when you need it most and put your printer to work with the Brother Refresh Easy print subscription service by signing up at brother-usa.com slash print with refresh. Again, that's brother-usa.com print with refresh to sign up for the Brother Refresh Easy print subscription service and stop worrying about your ink levels. All right, guys, let's chat skincare. If your skincare routine is basically you washing your face in the shower with that one shower gel that you've been using since high school, then it's time to level up your skincare game. Because as it turns out, that regular body wash you've been using that you thought was good enough is probably damaging your skin. But thanks to Lumen, you can drop that bottle of three-in-one and start using products that actually take care of your skin. With Lumen, you get the highest quality products. All their products aim to help with those stubborn acne scars, under eye circles, wrinkles, sun damage, dry skin, oily skin, you name it, it's all there. Starting with Lumen is easy. All you have to do is take a two-minute quiz on their website and they'll tell you exactly which routine is best for your skincare needs. Gia's been using the charcoal face wash and charcoal face scrub and she feels so fresh afterward. She has dry skin, so especially during the winter, it's nice to have that hydration and exfoliation. Also, she's a big fan of the really subtle citrus smell. Level up your skincare game with Lumen Skin today. Go to lumenskin.com slash kindoffunny to get your free trial of Lumen's products. That's L-U-M-I-N skin.com slash kindoffunny for a free trial. Lumenskin.com slash kindoffunny. 
And let's get into the NPD with Matt Piscatella over on Twitter, which may or may not soon be owned by Elon Musk, but that's not gaming news. It's just something that's been on my mind all day. Um, So let's talk about it. Uh, We got March 2022 U.S. NPD thread uh, that Matt breaks down here. Uh, Starting with March 2022, consumer spending across video game hardware, content, and accessories declined 15% versus a year ago uh, to $4.9 billion. Declines were seen across all major categories of spend first quarter of 2022, Spending fell 8% versus quarter of 2021 to $13.9 billion. Continued console hardware supply challenges combined with a return to uh, experiential spending are likely drivers of the quarter one declines. Uh, video game hardware dollar sales dropped 24% compared to a year ago. First quarter hardware sales reached $1.2 billion, a 15% decline versus 2021's first quarter. Um, does this surprise you to see that spending has gone down across the board in gaming? And then we'll kind of jump back and forth to some other uh, breakout things. And then I also have a game for you to play, Tim, about oh, love that. NPD stuff. So Love that. Uh, no, I'm not surprised. I, I think this is kind of just how these things go, uh, especially when you look at the the launch of the PS5 and the Series X and the, the like the first quarter last year, there's a lot more going on than I think there is this year uh, in terms of like the hardware sales and all that because there was new hardware out, right? So things are still constantly selling out uh, whatever they're in stock. So I don't think that there's any downside to where this is at currently. It's just kind of the state of the world we're in still. And uh, it's going to just kind of be that trickle effect of them just selling as much as they can make consistently. But it's not going to have that bulk uh, amount that we we saw back then. Yeah, I think especially too, like in the, I guess, earlier days of the pandemic, even though last year wasn't exactly like the earliest of days, like we saw that big spike in gaming in general and i think even just like anecdotally there was a lot of people getting into either getting into gaming for the first time getting back into gaming deciding hey like now's the time for me to get like finally get the switch do i get the light do i not and those kind then the oled came out like we had all those kind of conversations um i think around um all of that and i think too even for people that were already you know into gaming and spent already a lot of their time there. It was maybe a time to, hey, now that I'm stuck at home and I'm not doing a lot, maybe now is the time to finally do some extra upgrades to like finally get that hardware that I've been needing to get, uh, get whatever accessories. So I think this definitely speaks a little bit more, uh, you know, as Matt points out in his thread, towards things shifting back to how they normally are rather than think, oh my God, things are in a decline. Gaming is dying. No one wants to play anymore. I think we just saw like a really big influx, especially in the last like few years of people getting into uh, spending a lot more on gaming. Uh, And I think, you know, I'm sure at some point we'll hit another wave that we can point to some other random occurrence for like why things have sort of spiked up. Um, But I think this kind of just is part of it. Um, Now let's talk a little bit about like hardware stuff. We got Xbox series, um, was the best-selling hardware platform of both March 2022 and the first quarter in dollars, while Switch led in both uh, time periods in unit sales. Um, so that's kind of speaking to, again, that, that disparity between, like, the cost of, you know, the series line versus, like, the Switch pushing more units, but, you know, maybe the dollar amount isn't as much because there's stuff like, you know, the um, the light and other options there. And then we have Xbox hardware unit and dollar sales in March 2022 set a new all-time uh, March high for the platform. Previously, Xbox bests were set in March 2011 in terms of units and March 2014 in terms of dollars. Tim, do you feel like we're really in Xbox's era right now? I think we're in video games era right now. Like I think that's the thing. I don't. I don't think that. Uh, I think Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo have all proven their their ownership of us 
a lane in the industry and are just continuing to drive down that lane full speed. And when we see what Xbox has built out with Game Pass over the last couple of years, they've proven their value to so many people. Now it's just about getting them, getting the people that don't have access to it one way or another access to it. So I think they've done an excellent job of getting their hardware out as quickly as possible and having the options of the S or the X kind of really make it a no-brainer to people that are interested in video games and that have at least a certain amount of disposable income. It's like, yeah, you probably should have access to Game Pass some way because there is just such immense value there if you are interested in video games whatsoever. Um, But I do think that when we look at this, it's like this is just good news for the industry as a whole because we're just continuing to raise these numbers. And the more platforms out there, the more potential for games to make money, which means more dope games are going to be made better. At what point do you think PlayStation needs to be concerned about like not being kind of a part of these sort of high figure conversations in terms of like best, you know, hardware sales in terms of dollars or units? Because we see both Xbox and Nintendo represented in kind of their different lanes of like, okay, well, obviously Switch is, you know, cheaper. So it doesn't it's not too surprising that's going to out unit it. Um, You know, at what point is that a concern? Obviously, we know it's just because it's hard to get PS5s even in stock. Like, I think if there was more available, we might see these numbers be a little bit different. Um, But at what point is that going to be concerning, do you think? And like, what do you think that might have an impact on with like PSVR 2 coming up? I I don't think at all ever. Like when we look at the numbers, like PlayStation, again, the sell through rate is 100%. (laughs) Like if they're on store shelves, they will not be by the end of the day. Um, So I think that they are doing their best with the, the state of the world of getting them on shelves and they are selling. And when these month to month to month numbers are important, but What's more important is when PlayStation comes out and is like, hey, last time we talked, it was at this amount of million. Now it's we're adding 20 million to that. You know what I mean? Like that's just going to keep happening. And then they have the games to back it up. And we're seeing these game sales with just astronomical attach rates um, for full price PlayStation 4 and 5 titles. Like they're they're sitting pretty. They they have nothing to be concerned about. Okay, Tim. Do you want mm-hmm. me to read through like other, you know, stats about, oh, this game sold this, whatever, highest, whatever? Or do we want to jump straight to um, the game I have for you? I'm going to go through both regardless, but which order do you want to do Let's it? Do the game. Okay, cool. So this is, I don't have a good name for it because I'm not blessing. <laughs> this is just uh, 20, top 20 selling games in March 2022. There's a lot of 20s there. Someone come up with something catchy for that. There's, some, there, there's something there. 2020 vision. More ta- the top yeah, 20 of like 2022. That. Top 20 of 2022. This is why Barrett is consistently the most underrated person I have ever met in my life. Always bringing the heat. Um, so... I want you to just get through as many as you can. They are both physical and digital, though I will say, for some reason, the Nintendo ones don't count digital sales. I don't think that's really going to change much for you, but, like, just so you're aware. So just start throwing games out there. This is March 2022. Yeah, okay. So Elden Ring. Yes. Is going to be very high. Number one. My boy Kirby. He's going to be very high as well. Yes. I think, especially because it's multi-plat now, MLB The Show going to be very high. Number four. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at me. Hold on. Am I missing? You're missing two and then the other ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would number two be? Okay. Well, Mario Kart 8 is always on it, and I imagine it will be higher because of the DLC than it it has been. Maybe a couple spots. Mario Kart 8's there. It's at eight. At eight? Okay. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Eight for Um, eight. 
Um, I mean, Call of Duty Vanguard will be there, and all you know, there's the GTA yep, is all the, those guys. But like, what is that number GTA two? GTA isn't on there actually. Oh, really? A surpri- hmm. little surprising. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, Legends Arceus. Uh, yes, number six. Eh, Smash Ultimate's probably there too. Yeah, eighteen. Nintendo. Okay, okay, that's getting a little low. Um. What is that second one? Hold on. What 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 came? Like who's still buying Smash Ultimate? They're like now is the time to really get into this. I'm gonna roll the dice on this one, but I'm hoping it's top ten. Gran Turismo Seven. Yep, number two. Whoa, number two. Yep, number one Good and number two are you, like PlayStation Studios. Really specific Damn. games, <laughs> like that have like a ma- that have found like mass success. Um, Holy yeah. shit. Wow. I like Gran Turismo 7, like, but I'm not a, <laughs> you know, I'm not like a car person like that. And like, no one I know really is, but like, obviously a lot of people are car people. Yeah. This is freaking no. number two, which we'll talk about a little bit more, but yeah, like it's, it's been insane. And I'm like, damn. And to think I like, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to take this in my draft. I messed up not taking it. It also was super critically acclaimed too. I think it's like in the sitting well in the eighties on Metacritic. Um, yeah. Anyway. It's so been far, you have since then, though, with um, you know, uh, fan retention and stuff like that, with all of their systems in place with the currency. Yeah. Um. So far, you have eight of them. We don't have to go to get all uh, twenty. Just go until well, you feel like you're a little tired. I mean, I, you know? I, I think I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that might be all the new stuff. Like now, we're we're gonna start going back. I don't know. I named a bunch of old stuff too, but like Horizons there. Yep. Not that that's that old, but. I'll double check. I think you might still be missing some news. It's number five. Ooh. Let me pull okay, up I'm the. My oh, way I have down. it already. You're missing um, one, two, four. I know I just jumped numbers. Five, five new things are missing. Wow. Uh, Tiny Tina. Yeah, eleven. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Fill fill in the rest. <laughs> What's what? What game did Blessing just beat? Aegis Rim? <laughs> no, did he really? Did he beat Aegis Rim? He hasn't beat it. He's split. He's <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, did he just beat Kirby? I don't know. I don't know. What What did he just beat? Uh, Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin, because he's a okay. nerd. Okay. That's cool. That's number 10. Uh, what game is streaming after this here? Oh, WWE 2K22. Yeah, number seven. Above Mario Kart 8. More people are beating each other up in the ring than driving. And that's not actually how the math works because there's a bunch <laughs> of users on Mario Kart 8. But, you know, there's something there. Um, for other, like, classic hits that are always on there, FIFA 22, 13, Madden NFL 22, 15. Um, there are, and then, like, this one, I I feel like I wasn't expecting. Assassin's Creed Valhalla sitting at number 20. Um, just, we also it, have... It just had a DLC, I think, recently. Yeah. Mm. Oh, gosh. What was the name of that, too? Uh, uh, the beginning of Ragnarok or some shit or whatever. <laughs> I, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, but that did that did drop so, recently. That's gonna call out. I, I want to talk about Gran Turismo a little bit. Like sure. it's, I think, really important and interesting to keep in mind games like Gran Turismo Seven because back in the day on PlayStation, Gran Turismo One, Two, Three, those were, and, and even I would say to an extent, Four were like prestige premiere titles in the PlayStation lineup that sold millions of copies and were like the gold standard in terms of sales for PlayStation. Like they are up there in the the top tens of the highest selling PlayStation games of all time lists. But it's just crazy how Sony has restructured itself and redefined what PlayStation games are so 
intensely in the PlayStation 4 generation where we get all the hits that we talk about now, like The Last of Us, Uncharted, and uh, Horizons, et cetera, et cetera, Spider-Man's God of War, like blah, blah. There's so many of these, right? And they even just like blew the roof off and are now just these crazy 20 million expectation lifetime sales numbers, right? It's nuts that Gran Turismo is still coming in and selling super well at that, that number two slot, slot there. Uh, but it's like just it's really important to look at what PlayStation has uh, where they can just drop these big ones that like we're all looking for, but even their niche community stuff, which I would say at this point, racing games like Gran Turismo are less of a mainstream appeal that that used to have back in the day when there were just less gamers. Now that there are more gamers out there, the fact that they have a niche that is that valuable is incredibly important. Yeah. I think especially because that's like a, I think hard niche to dominate in the sense that, they're the people that are into that know it really well and they have like i wouldn't say high expectations but like it's not it's difficult i think to impress with like a a sim of that genre because it's like going for realism and that like you know for those who don't know it's like very different than like a forza horizon you know it's more like forza motorsport is a more apt comparison i think for for gran turismo so yeah to see it have like such massive success and like everyone i know that has played it or that talks about it or that's reviewed it is like oh this is amazing this is one of my favorite games of the year and like i've been kind of wondering i'm like should i have like requested co- should i have like gone in and given this a shot again it's a very specific kind of game um that i don't think like my you know like or dislike would honestly have much to say about the game itself because i think it might just be a taste thing but i'm like i kind of feel like i want to try this out because i think it's it's just garnered that much attention that i'm like clearly there's something here that even within the niche has found some level of mass appeal um and you know like there's something about this game that's really like speaking to the community right now and i just i i honestly wasn't expecting it and like shout out to that team for um mass success i mean to be behind like number two just behind elden ring is like really insane obviously again this is just within a singular month but um i wouldn't have predicted that it would have done so well uh when the year first started uh other ones to shout out for the the common always there minecraft 14 uh ghostwire tokyo is there at 12 which i'm a little bit surprised by uh we got triangle strategy at 16 um i shout out to the demo the free demo i played a little bit of it and i i did like it but it's like that thing where you're staring down the barrel and the game is so long and like I'm bad at strategy and I don't want to read all the stuff like I'll maybe I'll get back to it. But um, I was into that one for the little bit I played uh, Mario Party Superstars 17 Animal Crossing New Horizons at 19. So those are the top 20, which up from the top, we got Elden Ring, Gran Turismo, Kirby, MLB The Show, Horizon 2, Pokemon Legends Arceus, WWE, Mario Kart 8, Call of Duty Vanguard, Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, Ghostwire Tokyo, FIFA 22, Minecraft, Madden 22, Triangle Strategy, Mario Party Superstars, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and Animal Crossing New Horizons, plus Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I don't know why I read it that way. It makes it sound like it's two. It's one game, which would be an awesome game if they combine the two of those. You know, a little bit of crafting, a little bit of murder. Um to round out the MPD discussion, I do want to shout out some more uh, highlights regarding these games. A lot of it is kind of stuff we just touched on. So Elden Ring repeated as the best-selling game of the month as dollar sales experienced double-digit percentage dollar sales growth compared to its February 2022 launch. Elden Ring ranked first in dollar sales among track titles across PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Uh, Elden Ring remains the best-selling game of 2022 year-to-date and now ranks second over the 12-month period uh, m- ending March 2022 with dollar sales trailing only of those of Call of Duty Vanguard, which again speaks to Vanguard's 
immense success despite being like one of the weaker uh i think offerings that have come in recent years uh grand turismo 7 debuted as the number two best-selling game of march 2022 while also ranking second on playstation platforms grand turismo set an, a new all-time launch month dollar sales record for grand turismo franchise at launch and uh new releases again accounted for half of the top 16 best-selling titles of march 2022 which i think speaks to again the strength of the year i know we always have like the conversation on like what's a strong year what's a weak year like who cares like at the end of the day but i do think that speaks to the fact that this year is really overwhelming with how much there is to play and what high quality there is of stuff to play um even just in this first like quarter i have played so many amazing games and there's still like so many extra gaps to fill and then there's like a good amount left on the calendar too i mean i know we're in we're in backlog season now but um yeah a lot left to look forward to yeah and i mean just want to say it like shout out to elden ring from software getting this win is massive and it is so well deserved and you know the games have sold well but this is a new level and it's awesome to see people kind of like rally behind it and uh to see you know people like tam and andy and bless and all them that have been like shouting it from the rooftops for so long to like have this i think is just super awesome because it's a super high quality game and it's getting the results I'm just shocked that that many people are good enough at those kind of games because I'm like, I, well, then again, I have the game and I'm not good. So maybe it's like, maybe there's also people like me who just have it and like tried it for a little bit and then put it down. But yeah, it's insane for something so lengthy and specific to be so immensely popular. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm just, I think it's just totally going to sweep. I think all award stuff too. Um, yeah, it's been crazy seeing its success. And I think that success is only going to continue as time goes on because that game's also massive. Like so many people I know that are playing it and talking about it on Twitter still are like, I'm so far into this game and there's so much of the map left and so much stuff to do. And I haven't seen people get tired of it all. And there's just still like more things being discovered and like fans doing stuff. And yeah, I think it's, it's definitely going to be a conversation point for the rest of the year as people continue to play through it, platinum it, start it, replay it uh, and everything in between. I will uh, say Janet uh, with the, the three tro- just looking on PSN profiles. So this is like, a very small sector of uh, the actual audience for the three different trophies of like endings. Um, 40% have one ending, uh, 41% have another 43% have uh, another. And granted a, a good amount of those are probably people getting the platinum and stuff like that. But that is still a good chunk of people who are like actually like rolling credits and stuff like that. And having yeah. never beaten a souls game before, this was the first one I had ever rolled credits on. So it's not, it's not about the skill. It's about, you know, knowing where to, you know, level up and shit. Motion of the ocean. I feel like that's its own skill. (laughs) Um, Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Maybe you're more skilled than you give yourself credit for, though, Barrett. No, Um, Barrett, yeah. No, for Souls games, there is always a wall that I hit. Always. Mm. And it's always like two or three hours into the game, and I get the fuck out of there. But this one, no, this one, you know, I I found the cliff with all those big red boys killed them over and over again for like five hours leveled up hella it was great so congratulations um but me being Elden ring is so far away because i probably never will if i want to know what's coming to mom and grab shops today where would i look the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the kind of funny games daily show host each and every weekday Uh, for out today, I just want to shout out um, an update over to, oh, again, Gran Turismo 7, getting three new cars and an updated 24-hour layout of Spa Fr- Frakorshams. 
I have no idea how to say that or if I said it right. I tried looking it up. It's French. Uh, with patch 1.13 out today. Uh, and then some new dates for y'all. I want to highlight again, I mentioned already, but Diablo Immortal coming to PC and iOS slash Android on June 2nd. And then, Tim, you pointed this out. Um, the first content update for Sifu uh, is coming out. It'll have a special gift for all deluxe holders uh, called the Young Man Suit. It's a cosmetic thing. And then tune into they say tune in tomorrow for the 2022 Sifu game content update roadmap. Tim, what is your hype level for this? Oh, my God. I'm so excited. The idea that it's a content update roadmap. I'm like, okay, those words sound good to me. I hope it's not just a couple outfits here and there. I hope we're getting some DLC. I think we're going to get some DLC. I really feel like this game... It totally would make sense to add extreme value by just adding another level. And I know that they got it in them. I know they could do it. This game's been successful. People fucking love it. Um, this It's interesting because this content update here, um, I might get your wrongs on this, but I know that there was kind of like a, a minor controversy uh, with this whole digital deluxe um, special thing that they were supposed to give and then people didn't get it because it wasn't ready. So I think this is just them kind of be like, here's the thing. that That's the thing that we promised. But tomorrow we're going to give you uh like the actual updated news of stuff but it also could just be here's a costume here's a costume you'll be able to play as somebody else but it doesn't really affect the gameplay at all i don't know like that would be the the downside the upside to me would be you're getting more fucking sifu and i really really hope that that is the case i really want the um which was you know mentioned earlier them kind of adding like additional like difficulty settings or just like additional adjustments to the gameplay that's what i'm looking for because like i don't want to get good tim your story of getting good at sifu after being like pretty not good is it while inspiring i'm like or or i could just wait for them to you know get me out of my own problem which i imagine the game will still be challenging even with like whatever settings they add but i'm like i just want a couple a couple additional supports a couple bumpers on the bowling lane of Sifu just to kind of help out a little bit would, would go a long way for me reinstalling yeah. that because I would like to see it through. And I do think the combat has a lot of like really cool layers. I'm just like, look, you're, I have to be my best self and she doesn't show up very often. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I don't think she's going to, I don't think she's coming today. You know what I mean? Like I don't get I, level one. Oh yeah. We're doing great. We're coming out super young level two. When I, when I texted blessing and I'm like, Hey, is there another shortcut I don't know about? And he's like, no, you just, you're good. Just go. I'm like, now this is where and that's where my story came to an end so i'd like I to go back it. and and see more of it um as far as your wrongs we have um slothing out pointing out that a union vote for raven requires a super majority not just a majority which apparently a super majority is two-thirds so thank you for the correction on that that being more than half and then i'm not gonna do the math on that because i'm bad at math uh and then the ac valhalla dlc was called dawn of Ragnarok was the name so of it. Dawn, Dawn beginning. From it's the same fucking thing. That's barely the start. The morning time, you know, snooze hours of Ragnarok. Yes, the Dawn of Ragnarok. Um, and then that's basically it. Nano also shouts out that Tiny Tino's Wonderlands DLC is now out. Question mark. Again, th there's no you're wronging the you're wrong. So I just kind of have to put <laughs> a little bit of faith in there. Um, tomorrow slash this week's host, we have Tuesday. We got Greg and Gary Witta. Wednesday, we have Blessing and myself. Thursday, we have Greg and Bless. And then Friday, we have Bless and Tim. Uh, again, if you're watching live on Twitch, uh, we have the um, what is that? The April Anarchy uh, starting off next up and if you miss that you can catch it later on youtube.com slash kind of funny plays remember this has been kind of funny games daily where each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about we have a patreon post show for those who are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash kind of funny games so stick around for that otherwise until next time game daily <laughs>